0: Okay, so we are going to continue our um, sermon sessions in the Gospel of John, and we find ourselves in chapter 14, and we shall look at the portion of scriptures from verses 1 through verse 14. Of course, the theme of our Lord's ministry continues forward here more so accurately to Uh, The immediacy of his circle, the apostles, his chosen few around him, away from what was the public ministry in chapters prior, now more so directed, of course, to his disciples. And they will need the information in which he will deliver to them in comfort because they will be found, of course, with anxiety with worries, with concerns, and things to take place as the Christ had been speaking was necessary in regards, of course, to his coming death, to which he is always in control and has allowed it through his authority, made it permissible for the salvation of mankind. And though mankind at this time, in this account, of course, thought themselves to be in control of his death, because his death, because they were plotting against him and things of that kind, he was always in control. And we've seen those things. And that's reassuring to our faith that God is indeed in control. We saw how our Lord's authority and the things he would say and speak and also in the things that he would produce in a supernatural fashion that would confirm, of course, his word. And he spoke of the equality he has with his father. And he also, we saw in the recorded writ, how he would have compassion on the people and that some received him while most sadly rejected him. Who? Well, his own people, his own culture. And through the socio-political oppression of the Sanhedrin, in which they couldn't get along prior to him, now they are indeed cooperating in order to remove the Christ from this earth. And we saw the growing hostility from these religious leaders, the Jews, and um, bringing forth this moment in the immediate context in our session last week. Sadly, unfortunate, the heart of Judas, one of his close associates, turning against the Christ because of his inner greed and various other uh, character flaws that he would practice uh, betraying the Christ now. And we are, of course, within the hours, the, the, um, the death uh, of our Lord and Master would be taking place. But there is information to be delivered to his apostles that would give them comfort, give them at least uh, a guidance moving forward in what would be happening and how they are to receive it. So, anyways, with all that said, let's get into the text and see what is revealed. Do not let your heart be troubled. Um, Again, we can understand that concept very well. We, all of us, at one time, have found great comfort, guidance, security, refuge, in someone, perhaps, in our lives. A caregiver of sorts, perhaps mom and dad, right? Uncle, aunt, grandparents, whoever, perhaps an instructor, a teacher at school. And the thought of one's departure that we put such uh, uh, trust in uh, can be a, 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 a quite scary uh, concept to grasp. Um, as, mostly, you know, as in our youth the idea that our parents would depart from this earth, if you will, is uh, a fearful thing to think about. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Who's going to take care of us? How are we going to eat? Where's the security? My children are the recipients of the blessings found in this household. I protect them. I will lay down my life to protect them. There's food in the fridge. There's a comfy bed upstairs. There are things that they have grown accustomed to, though we try our best not to take for granted and thank God for, it would be indeed a fearful thing for them to think, well, what do you mean, Dad, you're going to be departing? What do you mean? What's this whole concept about departure? And of course, we try to cultivate that idea on this earth and among our families that, you know, this life is not certain. We can be here tomorrow and gone within an hour. But we can understand that concept that they would find some concern with that and how they're going to be taken care of. Well, okay, to that kind of an illustration, now to the greater scope of the context, I mean, these men follow Jesus. They follow the man man who gave them life. You know? The man who gave them instruction on how to live, how to change. (laughs) He fed them. They were there with him when they were in the trenches of persecution. They've seen the operational mannerisms and characteristics and countenances of the people and the crowds. They've been with this man for years. They've witnessed miraculous power. <laughs> I mean, they've grown to love the man. And though the, the, the capabilities of their independent accountabilities would not yet still seek the measurement of spiritual instruction that Christ was speaking to them, that they were going to be uh, uh, without him for a while. Because, of course, the mind of the men were more so in an earthly fashion, in a physical sense. But Christ was not going to allow them uh, remain as orphans or to be left alone. Of course, the thought would be that the Comforter would be brought to them. And we have to respect the context and the grammar of the Holy Writ, which speaks in necessity to those near Him. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Well, <laughs> what do you mean? What are you talking about? You're going to go and be glorified. What are you talking about? You're going to uh, be betrayed. What are you talking about? You're going to have to go die. Like, we'll, well, the mind was with the physical sense. Like, you're a king. You're 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 the Messiah. You're. We'll fight for you. We're going to build a place. And again, this idea that the physical is where it's at. And we've all we we've understood that through the mind of the Jew for centuries, was indeed in a physical sense. So now it changes to a spiritual angle and we just can't grasp. We're worried. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You believe in the Father, believe in me. For I and the Father am one, right? In my Father's house, verse 2, are many dwelling places. If it were not so... I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. I'm not hiding any information. I'm not withholding any information from you. If what I am telling you is true and real, and it is, and you should be the recipients of it, then find comfort. I am going to go prepare a place for you. And what is he saying in the immediate context? I'm going to have to go die on a cross. I'm going to have to go die a very violent and barbaric death, a gruesome display of mankind's execution. I'm gonna have to go through that, mocking, having been slandered, having have been bore false witness against, slapped, mocked, ridiculed, whipped, crucified. And we've all had our education from one angle to the next, I suppose, or perspective, medically speaking, on how it was truly a gruesome act of capital punishment, which was only allowed through the Roman oppression, by the way. And the Jews knew that, because the Jews did not have the policy to enforce capital punishment. You know who they needed to have that done? They needed the Romans. And so they had to provide a narrative that would have the Roman power practice capital punishment upon this Jew named Jesus. He's disturbing the peace. We can't have that. He's your problem. What do we have to do with this man? Well, all those things to take place. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. I need to go and die. It is a necessity for For your salvation, do not be troubled. Information is coming to give you that strength. If I go and prepare a place for you, verse 3, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be or be also. And there are a few different perspectives or interpretations to that. It is my humble opinion within context and the respect for the context. He's probably speaking, of course, of his return in that final day. Some have said, well, perhaps he is speaking of his immediate appearance after the death, burial, and resurrection, because we know he came and witnessed himself to 500 plus people. It would be my humble opinion that he is speaking of the day of judgment. That where I am, there you may be also. For through him is our path to the Father and the The apostles who are having to deal with this very uh, uh, challenging moment in their life where they are going to have a time of withdrawal from having Christ in physical, literal form with them. That's a scary thought. I mean, this man could raise the dead. We don't want him to go anywhere. What do you mean you got to go die? You can cast out demons. You can control the weather. You can cure The sick and make whole the lame. You've nourished us. You've taken care of us. What do you mean you have? Where are you going? I don't, we don't understand. We're scared. Be comforted. Don't lose hope here. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. There is a purpose to why I'm going to die. And if, and that's a difficult thing to grasp because we human beings have the tendency to worry on the storm instead of remaining focused on the Christ. The Christ has been in control of everything thus far. They've been trying to murder him now for a while, and yet here he is, walking and speaking to them. Why? He knows, and he's in control. Sometimes we tend to think in our own lives, with all the chaos that may come around it in such a fallen world, we lose focus, we get discouraged, we get depressed, we find great deep sorrows. Remain focused on the Christ. He certainly is and has prepared a place. It needed to take place. How could he have prepared a place without the sacrifice? He's speaking to his people. And you know the way where I am going, verse 4. How so? Well, he's been telling them what's going to happen. He's been telling them what's going to happen. And of course, Thomas here in verse 5 says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? The mind is set in a physical worldview. They have to look further and farther within the spiritual realm of things. We do not know where you are going. Where is the path? What do you mean? You have to go do this and that. You have to die. What are you speaking of? How do we know the way? Well, Jesus, of course, says to him in verse 6, which is a... Very powerful verse, is it not? We commonly speak this verse and quote this verse, I am the way and the truth and the life. The way is the path. The truth is reality. Thy word is truth. Reality sets us free from the bondage of myth and lies and sensationalism and superstitions And all the things that are practiced in a dying world. I am the way. Not only were the words he spoke instructive to eternal life, but he himself is the way. The very thing we've been understanding from the scriptures that the Pharisees, the Pharisaical kind, missed the mark with. Why? The Pharisees thought salvation was in the law. And because they knew the law, they thought salvation was in themselves. They missed it. Where was salvation? In Christ. The law was but a orderly and justified conduct and command pointing to the lawmaker. Therein is salvation found. I am the way. Not only is he the conduit, But he is, in his descriptive being and nature, the way, the path. There ain't no other. (laughs) And though the world, from the almost beginning, has tried to create its own image of its gods that would find a path or various paths to an unknown eternity, all fall flat and without breath and life. There is but one way, and that is the Christ. And of course, Acts 4.12 and many other locations would reveal that inspired reality. And the Christ spoke of it a great many times. I am the way. Don't be troubled. I'm in control. Don't be troubled. I am the path forward. I am reality. I am eternal life. We truly have to tap into these things and meditate upon them and allow them to be received in our thoughts as we walk this life. It's not mere academics and the education of the text and its grammar. It's do we truly grasp and understand this comfort when we are troubled? In practical application, of course. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It will not be through any idol. It can only be done through the Messiah. If you had known me, verse 7, you would have known my Father also. Remember the teaching and defense he gave in regards to his equality to the Father, deity, divine. From now on you know him and have seen him. You believe in the Father, believe in me. I am the way. You seek to see the Father, you have, if you have seen me. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. <laughs> it's interesting how we think, don't we? And we shouldn't be so critical of our dear brother Philip or Thomas or even Peter prior in last week's session. <laughs> We, at times, allow ourselves to be enamored too much, so much so that we lose the priority of a spiritual worldview, a spiritual sight. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. (laughs) Philip, dude, man. You've seen a man dead for four days in a tomb being raised. I mean, I... We read the accounts. We haven't seen it with our eyes. We read these accounts and we believe these accounts because we can prove these accounts to be true within the evidence found within the book. Imagine having walked on this earth with him 2,000 years ago and have seen a man you know to have been dead four days, raised. I don't know, man, who this man is, but I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. Why? Because I don't want my loved ones to perish without this man around. I want this man around to bring him back from the dead. And we all know that angered the Sadducees a great deal because the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. And when they saw that Lazarus has been raised from the dead, uh-oh, let's murder Jesus. That's the solution. Here's Philip saying, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. Enough. Dear brother Philip, man, you've seen Jesus cast out demons, control the weather, make whole the land, cure the sick, raise the dead. He knows your inner heart and being and he spoke it. But yet that's the way we think, at most times, from what we see with our eyes before us. And of course, a bit of an excursion and thought, we are called to be good stewards of what we see with our eyes and have. Certainly, and it is a blessing for the comforts we receive in this physical realm, food, shelter, clothing. But there is a priority, which is the spiritual realm and the eternity that comes in the next life that we should have our focus on at all times. Jesus says to him in verse 9, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? We have Thomas, who don't know where he's going. He says he don't know the way. We have Philip asking for a sign of sorts. Jesus says, Have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say show us the Father? You're not thinking right, man. Take a step back. Take a step back. Look at all... Look, look at the big picture here. I've been with you guys in ministry fully functional for three years. Every day we've been together. I've nourished you. I've given you the words of eternal life. You've seen me expose and refute the religious oppression and tyranny of the Sanhedrin, to which I am seeking to have you removed, withdrawn from the clutches of such corruption. You've seen the miraculous powers which activate a confirmation that I am indeed sourced from a divine location. Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? It's sad, isn't it, that at times we are with individuals in our entourage, perhaps friends or family, co-workers, neighbors, and truly we have not been perhaps paying attention to recognize who the individual truly is, that maybe can be sourced and at times we don't listen. Maybe we need to listen a bit more and observe. You know, people tend to reveal who they are after a while, right? Look at their countenance, look at their face, what words are they saying? How are they saying those words? What fruits are they producing? Is it in righteous productivity or unrighteous productivity? Philip, have you not been paying attention to the man you've been following for three years? He is the way, the truth, the life. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe, verse 10, that I am? In the Father? And that the Father is in me? Pay attention, friends. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does His works. Three important words to highlight. Words, does works. The Father and the Son are one as the Spirit, three in one, monotheistic, one God in three persons, right? Philip, have you not been paying attention? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. The instruction that would have been proclaimed is in line as one with the Father. Words, works. Two important categories we must respect and honor and receive. Believe me, he says in verse 11, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Isn't that interesting? If you cannot have the complete and genuine, authentic faith that is required, which would have you both understand the words and the works, at the very least. Judge me on the works. Many might seek to demonize us and slander us, Speak all manners of evil against us in persecution. Our defense? Friends, if you don't seek to believe the words we speak, at the very least, look at the integrity of our works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. What works? We've mentioned them. We've read them. He can cast out demons, raise the dead, make whole the lame, cure the sick. All these wonderful things that were necessary to confirm his word. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 12 Pay close attention to the information I am going to speak. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And here, again, in context, speaking to all mankind. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. We're looking at words, we're looking at doing, we're looking at works. And he says, and greater works than these he will do. Now, it's very important we interpret this in its context and understanding. We cannot be greater than the Christ. And so, what is the teaching? Well, it is Christ through them, the apostles. Christ through us. It is always the works of Christ, and they will be greater. Why? Because in the ministry of the Christ it was isolated to a certain location and it was designed that way. But through the apostleship, the gospel will have gone around the globe as they, conduits and representatives of the good news and the kingdom. And through us, in a further distance, thousands of years ahead, we, proclaiming this book, this ancient word, Christ working through us that is greater. Whatever you ask in my name, he says in verse 13, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Of course, we respect the immediacy in the individuals he is speaking to, which would become the recipients of the Comforter, the miraculous endowment of the Holy Spirit to which they would be governed. They would not be left as orphans. They would still have the instruction guiding them into all truth, whatever you ask in my name that will i do in the ocean of misguided religious views one might think this verse is speaking health and wealth well i want a lamborghini why not a bentley personally (laughs) well of course not right we know a rightly handled word would speak of in accordance to his will to the will of our Lord and Master. You know, we ought to practice that in a practical sense with any purchase or any movement further in our careers or materialistic accumulations. If we are seeking to purchase a property, why? If we are seeking to purchase a vehicle, why? If we are, seek- if we are seeking to have a career, why? Why? Now, the world will tell you why. But what does our Lord and Master teach us why? If it's for the greater good of the kingdom, it will have the blessing of our Lord. And there are certainly boundaries to that. Lord, I need a private jet. It's for the good of the gospel. And there's nothing inherently sinful with a man having a private jet. What's the motive of the heart? What are we speaking to God for? What are we asking for? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. And let us respect the age of the miraculous power which would have been given to the apostles so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, he says in verse 14, I will do it. Christ is not making himself subject to any human delinquency along the lines of financial accumulation that would be perverted in the love of money rather than the love of the gospel. We Christians know money is but a tool. Like a wrench is for the mechanic, money's just a tool. And within the hands of the faithful, I pray we all become multimillionaires. Why? Because it's not about the money. They needed to understand that path forward in anything they were going to do for their Lord and Master. Endowed, of course, miraculously in that age. I am the way, and the truth, and the life. They're about to lose a friend, man. They're going to see him die on a cross. I I can't think of it too deeply. I'll weep. Really. Because I've lived long enough to lose friends. But, isn't that something? Like, I'd be scared. I don't want to lose my friend. I don't want to lose someone who's been giving me life. Josh, you want to lose dad? Right? Hurts, doesn't it? So, I mean, what's the comfort? It's not the end. It doesn't end. We're going to see each other again. It's, we don't need to say goodbye for long. We're going to see each other again. in Christ, of course, in the accounts we'll be reading further in the coming weeks, Lord willing, God and His third person was going to be allocated to them in their minds We're not alone. We can have comfort. We're in this together and all the things that take place, right? We know He is the way, the truth, and the life. We can find comfort in these words. We can tap into this and find our edification, our building of one another, our challenge. It's challenging. It's very challenging (laughs) in such a, of course, world we currently live in in this fallen nation where now everything publicly uh, orchestrated is calling good evil and evil good. We've become enemies in our own country. We speak words that are now considered to be hate speech. How do we live through these moments, through the hostility of corrupt governing powers? Or how do we go through life when we have to say goodbye to each other or our loved ones? How do we deal with persecution at the hands of our own kind who are corrupt Do not let your heart be troubled. And of course, there's a spiritual location to that, bringing us to our conclusion here. There's a spiritual location to all this comfort and this hope and these goals we have together. The East Coast Church of Christ is a beautiful family. I love each and every one of you, and I know each and every one of you love me. And we love each other, and we've been through a lot. But we've persevered, and we've grown. God has blessed us with a culture of family, and the truth, and ministries to come for our youth and our elders. We have something here that belongs to God, and it's beautiful, but it's a spiritual location. Though seen through our physical vessels, it's a spiritual house. And how does one enter into the spiritual house? One must believe, of course. The repentant believer, confessing Christ as his Lord and Master, qualifies for what? For the forgiveness of his sins, to become a legal citizen of the kingdom when he is or she is immersed, plunged, dipped, submerged, buried, clothed. Born again, out of water and the Spirit. And we've seen those things happen, haven't we? We've seen renewal. We've seen individuals saved by Jesus Christ. Friends, if anyone seeks to find refuge within the comfort of our Lord and Master and you believe in Him, you need to be immersed into Christ. Yeah. That will conclude this portion of Scripture for our sermon session. Thank you for your kind attention. Let's move forward with a song.